Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Welcome to episode one of the podcast. I'd like to introduce Matt Johnson, the producer of the show. And Matt, if we can jump right into it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have a lot of fun today, guys. This is the the initial episode of the podcast. So I really wanted to get into, Tom, like your story, what your day-to-day life is like as an investor and some of the strategies and tools that you use. And so let's let's actually start there because I think that'd be really interesting to people. So as an, as like an active investor, you're out there you know, generating motivated seller leads and you're generating you know, deals on demand for yourself and for other people. So what does your what does your daily life look like right now? And then we'll get into kind of your background story and how you got to where you're at a little bit later. My day-to-day now looks like the management of the agents on my team who are actually working the lead. So when we first started generating the leads on day one, I was taking everything. I was doing all the appointments and I was working the leads. But today, what that looks like is I have 135 agents under me in my Boston office. So my main role is to make sure that they are capitalizing on those leads, processing them, them correctly, and that we're giving them the tools and training that they need in order to get more deals done. Yeah, and so just from what I understand about your background, this came about because you had essentially more seller leads than you could handle yourself. So you started bringing on agents and that kind of snowballed and now you've got agents to where you don't have to work the deals yourselves. But you essentially, you know, like you've done every role of this. You've generated the leads and then worked them from start to finish. So you you know, and you've you've gone through this process. You're training them essentially how to do what you've already done every step of the way, right? Well, it all really started back going back to about 2013. When I got into the business 10 years ago, the market was basically crashing. So as an investor, it was very easy for me to just literally go online, find a foreclosure, find a bank-owned property, finding auction that I could buy discounted. And we did that from about 2007 to about 2013. That's what I thought the business was all about. And we had no need to go directly to a seller who owned a property because we could just go online and buy any house that we wanted. But what happened in 2013, when the market really started to come back, all of those deals dried up. So what happened was that actually forced us to go directly to sellers. And I never really thought I was going to get into the real estate brokerage business. But in order for us to generate enough leads to go on enough one-on-one seller appointments for us to actually close deals. We had so many seller leads that we needed to hire agents onto our team to get and go and sit in the living room of all these sellers. Okay. So let's talk about what that, what that toolbox looks like, because that that's what you you you've developed that for your agents, and then that's what you teach other people to do. Yeah. So what like if you Tom were to go out right now, or if one of your agents, your best agents, went out and sat in the living room of one of your seller leads, what does that toolbox look like? What are the, some of the options that they're picking from to yeah. present to that seller? At the end of the day, we serve as real estate consultants. So everybody that's responding to any of our marketing is responding to a sell your house fast for cash type of advertisement. The reality is, is that 80 to 90% of the sellers that we meet with, it doesn't make sense for them to sell to an investor because to sell to an investor, of course, the investor has to make money. And in most cases, they have to sell at a discount. 
So our job really is to go, go in there and see what the real needs of the seller are and to help them figure that out and to make the right determination for them. Because most sellers don't know, you know what, is it, what is selling to an investor look like? What are the numbers? What do I have to do to get my house ready for an investor versus selling it you know, the traditional way? So our goal when we go and we meet with any seller is to really get to know them, know what their next steps are in life, and to see how we can help them. And if we're able to provide them with a solution that fits their needs to get them to the next stage of their life, then it's a win-win for both parties. And sometimes that means that we're going to buy the property directly from them. Sometimes it means that we're going to list the property. Sometimes it means we're going to rent their property out. And sometimes it means that we're actually going to advise them to stay in their home. Um, yeah. You know, I've had times where, you know, I've gone out to, to an appointment and, you know, the, the person, it doesn't make sense for them to leave. Their, their options after the fact would be worse than staying in their property. So when we go out there, we try to figure out what makes the most sense for them and help them make the right decision for their real estate needs. Yeah, I like that. I was just talking about that with uh, uh, one of my uh, business partners the other day in the Bay Area, and he mentioned that that's that he calls it the takeaway method. Now, if you do it authentically, it's it's very powerful. You mentioned it, Tom. Yeah. Just the willingness to tell somebody honestly when it's in their best interest to not work with you yeah. is extremely powerful. And if you do it right, it builds a lot of trust and a lot of credibility because you're essentially doing what's best for them, not what's best for you. At the end of the day, the reality is, is that a seller is going to come to that conclusion anyways. So if I go out there as an investor and I try to force an investment offer down their throat and it doesn't make sense to them, they're not going to end up taking the investor offer anyways and vice versa. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I see a lot of agents make is they try to stuff a listing down the throat of somebody who wants to sell to an investor and they lose the listing and they're just not providing them with the right solution. So really, we just need to understand what is in the best interest of the seller and really help them understand the process. And then from there, um, you know, you'll get the business if you do what's in the right interest of them. Yeah, 100% agree. And this is what goes back to kind of what you said about the toolbox, right? So developing this kind of toolbox of different strategies. But I'm curious, um, uh, you know, most agents go out there and they have a hammer, so they're looking for nails, which I which I get. If that's if you have a hammer, that's what you're going to do. So let's say you kind of fill your toolbox and you and you encounter a seller. What type of seller is in a situation like? Give me some scenario examples of the type of person where it is in their best interest to sell to an investor versus going just with a traditional residential listing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally about thirty different reasons, but I'll, I'll give you you know one that's extremely simple. Um, so say that we go out to a property and they have an auction date that's going to take place in two weeks. And we get out there and they have equity. And at the end of the day, they're going to lose that equity if they can't close in two weeks. And so we would go in there, make them an offer, and then close on the property to make sure they get the equity back out of the property before the foreclosure actually takes place. Another example could be um, when they need to move quickly. They may have a job transfer that needs to take place, and they may need to buy. They may need to buy something in another city and sell that property in order to be able to buy the one that they're looking to get into in another city. So the timing of that becomes, you know, really important. And there's there's literally probably you know twenty or thirty other reasons um, that I can name. And so it, it just if it's the right fit for the seller, then that's when it happens. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, so then basically you have, you, you've built a team that's kind of a hybrid of both. And that that's why, or one of the reasons I should say why you're running the podcast, because you really want to help agents that already have some of the skill sets that you normally have to teach to a random person off the street. If they wanted to become an investor, agents already have a lot of those skills. So let's talk yeah. about that for a second. What are the skills that agents have that kind of lend themselves naturally already to being an investor? I would say that they have almost every skill, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, an agent knows how to build rapport, right? One of the most important things about being an investor is when you get face-to-face -face with that seller, getting them to know, like, and trust you. So, you know, agents have a ton of expertise with that. Um, agents also have a ton of expertise of determining what the value of a property is. So most agents can do a little bit of research before they head into the property and have a good idea after walking through the property of what it would sell for on the market in the current condition, which then leads them to make, you know, an educated, it gives the seller an educated idea of what they would get today if they were to list the home versus what the price, you know, would sell to an investor would be. Um, you know, they also, a lot of them have the ability to generate leads. So as an investor, we're generating motivated seller leads. Agents are doing the same thing. So for the most part, agents already have, you know, in their back pocket, all of these tools. But where I see, you know, the, the biggest misstep is when they meet that person, that one out of 10 or one out of eight to 10 sellers that really should sell to an investor. And they really push for the fact that it should be a listing when it really shouldn't. And so to me, it, it never really makes sense why all agents aren't investors to some capacity because they do have all the tools already. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. All right, well, let's, then let's talk about well, what are some of the scenarios where, let's say you have a, a more developed toolbox and you have a better awareness of what some of the investing strategies are that you could offer to a potential client. So you're, you're an agent, you're sitting there in the living room, yeah. and you realize, okay, this is a situation where it's probably in their best interest to sell to an investor. What does that do for the agent, and what are some of the scenarios where it actually benefits the agent or puts more money in their pocket to yeah. set up a deal like that rather than just pushing them into a listing? So there's there's two ways that they can really go about doing it. The first is that they actually buy the property themselves. And one of my first, so I started off as an agent, not as an investor. And one of my first deals that I ever did was actually me trying to fit, you know, a, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole where the person really wanted to sell to an investor and they kept pushing me and I kept trying to push them to list. And at the end of the day, I ended up buying that property. So as an agent, um, when you come across an opportunity like that, it's a great option for you to either get a property that you can fix and flip, like we do tons of fix and flips, or a buy and hold. The other option is if the agent themselves really doesn't want to necessarily get involved in the investing themselves, but that they can team up with an investor like us in the Boston market. And they could provide a solution to the seller where the seller is selling directly to an investor, which is what they want. And then that agent typically is able to make a commission upfront and then get the listing back when the, when the renovation actually occurs. Mm -hmm. So for most agents, they can make two to three times the amount of the commission on a deal like that versus a traditional, um, traditional deal. 
Okay, gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah so definitely, it, it definitely serves the agent too to develop that skill set and some of the other tools in the toolbox because it can it can raise their their average commission or the, even the opportunity to do multiple deals out of what would have been just one deal for them. Exactly, and you're gonna if you don't provide that seller with the investment alternative, you're gonna lose them anyways. So you're not gonna get that listing anyways. Right. And then typically speaking, you're gonna get the commission on the front end, and then you're usually you're going to get a higher resale on the back end. So you're actually making more than double on a deal like that and serving the needs of the client. Okay. All right. So let's go back to, before we get into uh, your coaching and what you teach people, I want to go back to kind of the motivated seller leads part. So when somebody responds to an ad, cause you mentioned it's kind of the, you know, we, we buy houses for, for cash fast. Yeah. What type of person typically responds to that ad? Because you mentioned it's still 80 or 90% of them are better off yeah. going with a listing. But what's their what's their mentality? Why are they more motivated than someone that just calls a random agent or their friends or family to list? It really depends. Sometimes they're not more motivated. Um, sometimes they think that I'm going to sell the property to you and just save a commission. Gotcha. So you get it. When, when we're marketing and generating these motivated seller leads, you get everything all over the map from the person that, needs to sell their property tomorrow and is willing to take a discount all the way to the person who's literally just trying to save, you know, a couple percentage points on the commission. Even in some cases, sometimes the leads don't even want to sell at all. So the most unmotivated people that we get once in a while will be somebody that responds to that sort of solicitation. And they believe that because you're a developer, you're developing the whole street and you're willing to pay a premium. So, so, you know, you, you run the gamut, but like any sort of marketing funnel, I mean, you're, you're starting at the top with a bunch of leads at all different stages and you're working them down and down and down. And the further you get to the bottom of that marketing funnel, the closer you are to doing a deal. And at the bottom are obviously the most motivated people that are ready, willing, and able to sell now that you end up working with. Gotcha. And, and what's the quickest way to weed out the people <laughs> that, uh, that you don't want at the bottom of that funnel? Man, it's tough. I mean, we try to go through the same process each and every time because at the end of the day, what people say to you on the phone or through a form online doesn't necessarily correlate to what happens in reality. So one of my first deals that I ever did, the, the person called us. They responded to, I think it was a mailer. They called us. Um, they got really angry. They were frustrated. They told us to never call them back again. And a year later, they ended up calling us back, apologizing, and then selling the house to us. So my take on it is you have the best practices on how to work the leads. And you work them the same. And you, you try not – it's a little bit different than working with the buyer lead where you re really want to make sure that they're qualified. On the seller side, to me, you always want to get face-to-face -face with them. And after you get face-to-face -face with them, you can qualify them a little bit better. But if – if a seller is willing to meet you at their property, there's a certain level of motivation there. And just in terms of building your sphere of influence over the long haul, to me, that's worth that appointment. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and there, I know there's going to be a lot of agents that might, that might disagree with that, that they would rather, especially on the um, – 
the idea that if you don't get the listing when you walk out of that first appointment, you'll never get that listing. Yeah. Uh, I know many people that have proven that 100% dead wrong, including Aaron Wittenstein, who regularly takes 60 to 80% of the listing appointments he doesn't get when he walks out the door that first time. Because, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, about, it's more about the relationship, and they may be a few months out from making that decision. In that one case, they were a year out from pulling yeah. the trigger, making that decision. But you guys met with them. You guys got face-to-face -to -face with them, and that's what built that relationship more than anybody else. One, one of the cool things about the investing element, we talked a little bit about the toolbox, is that you're able to allow the seller to pick their closing date. So there, there was a property appointment that I went on early in my career, and the seller was a firefighter, and he had a date that he was going to retire, and he was going to move to South Carolina. And so this was 18 months out from his retirement date. And what you're able to do on the investing side, which is cool, is allow them to pick their date. And we actually put that property under contract to purchase 18 months out. And so it was a win-win for both parties because we got a good deal on it. And for him, the most important thing was the day after he retires, he wanted to be on a plane and he wanted to be in his house in South Carolina. And so that's just you know one example of what we've been talking about with the tools in your toolbox. That probably would have been a seller that would have been hard to work with if you didn't have that tool. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. I like that. All right, so elaborate on the toolbox a little bit in terms of the coaching and, and what you teach people, because you're, you're teaching people that, uh, that are both agents and non-agents alike, and obviously with non-agents, there's a lot of skill building yeah. uh, that has to take place. But when you, when you take an agent through that process, what does that coaching look like, and what are the key things that you're helping them to do and to build in order to get into the investing side of things? Yeah, like you mentioned, um, we work with agents and non-agents, but when you take an agent on your team, it's really, really nice because they do have a lot of these skill sets already in place. They know their market. Um, they know what to do. The biggest thing, honestly, that we find is that a lot of agents that we work with aren't used to getting a lot of leads, so a lot of them work off their sphere of influence. And when you get a lead in from your grandmother's uh, cousin or your next door neighbor, they're going to wait around for you, right? And so the biggest thing that we actually have to teach on day one is that you really have to jump on these leads as soon as possible. And uh, NAR puts out a bunch of statistics on internet leads. And at the end of the day, most people don't wait around. When they fill out a form online or when they respond to a solicitation in the mail, they don't wait around. So that's actually usually my biggest challenge is getting people to realize that you need to jump on the phone right away. Um, and if you don't get them on the phone, you really need to consistently follow up. And we use something we call the 10 days of pain, which essentially means that for the first 10 days that a lead comes in, we're calling, texting, emailing them every day for the first 10 days until they either tell us, you know, don't call us, don't text us anymore or they're meeting with us. So we want to get them to a yes or a no. Um, so that's kind of the biggest you know, challenge on day one. But, but then we're also teaching them how to use a CRM. Again, a lot of agents, when, when they're working with their sphere of influence, don't do a great job of organizing their contacts. When you're generating a ton of motivated seller leads, you need to know who to call, when to call them, how many times you've been in touch with them, what the responses were. So that's another thing that we, we typically hit on right in the beginning when we're working with agents.
Okay. And then let's uh, let's talk about uh, just continuing on in terms of the interviews that are that you're going to see and hear on the podcast. So there's a couple of different types of people that you're going to interview. So you're going to interview both agents that have been successful investors that have gotten into the game that know both sides of it. And yeah. we're also going to interview uh, and hear from people from the investing side that just have valuable strategies and insight and knowledge to share purely from the investment angle that agents can learn from and kind of incorporate into their business. So guys, you'll hear you'll hear those two different types of interviews. Uh, and as well, we'll actually bring on, Tom, you want to bring on some of the, the key, I guess, thought leaders and uh, lead generation experts in the business yeah. out there from both the real estate agent and the investing side in yeah. terms of what, what are some of the best ways, what are some of the options for generating those motivated, uh, motivated seller leads? Because that's the very top of the funnel. It's where everything kicks off from. Yeah. So the, those are the, the types of, of interviews that you hear on the podcast. But I want to finish out with this, Tom. Just let people know what's the best way to, to reach out to you, connect with you, and learn more about you. Uh, the best way would be to go onto our URL directly, which is um, www.realestateinvestingiseasy.com. And that's actually a link to the best training video that we have out there right now. So if you fill that out, you can actually watch. It's about a 40-minute presentation. It'll kind of encapsulate everything that we're talking about today, but in a little bit more detail. Perfect. So realestateinvestingiseasy.com. Yes. All right. Awesome. <laughs> I am extremely surprised that that URL was not bought like in 1995. Me, me too. When I, when I looked for it, I said, oh, this can't be available. And then, hey, it was. So it was, it was a good one. That's right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. And guys, keep an eye out for the show. If you are watching or listening to this, you can subscribe to it on YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher if you're on an Android device. And everybody will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.